We've read Philippians chapter 3. And, uh, you know, the past few weeks, I expect that most of us have resorted to lists. You've got a list people that you've got to buy Christmas presents for. Lists of people you've got to send Christmas cards to, and those you might send to if they send you one, but otherwise you're not going to bother. The lists get quite complex, don't they? Maybe you're like me and you have a list every day of things that really ought to be done that day. I've even got a book at home that is as thick as my Bible that is a book of lists. All the lists that exist are there. It's Shows I'm right or a sad person because someone bought it for me. But there we are. Lists. We all use lists, don't we? But out of all of those lists and that book of lists, I have never seen, nor have I ever written, a list of things to forget. Now that's almost contradictory, isn't it? Because if you write a list to forget, you're actually remembering what you want to forget. (laughs) Well, we won't go down that road. But we don't think like that. But this morning we will. Because Paul says here, there are things to forget. And if he says it's something to forget, then we need to look look at that. He says in verse 13, to forget those things which are behind. And uh, same verse, he says, this one thing I do. And when we come to the end of the year, we want to really kind of concentrate on this a little bit. He says, one thing I do, and then he lists at least three things within that one thing, if you like, three parts. He says, I'm going to forget, I'm going to reach forth, I'm going to press towards the mark. And he counts those three things as one. And that's really what I want to draw your attention to today. As we leave this year and enter 2024, I want us to think this morning about things we need to forget. I will actually remind you of things to remember as well, but that's just make, give a bit of balance to the sermon. But mainly we're going to think about things to forget, and then this evening we're going to be thinking about reaching forth and pressing towards the mark. So then, for this morning, forget those things which are behind. Paul says in verse 12, uh, not as though I'd already attained, either were perfect, or some of you will have in your Bible complete, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. And that's where our our text comes in. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm not perfect. I'm not fully mature yet. That will only happen when I get to glory. But he wants to work towards it. Now, there's a challenge for us, isn't it? Do we, have we in the past year... Got up in the morning and thought, I'm still travelling towards maturity. I, I, I want to press towards the mark today. We don't, do we? We're really honest. But there's a challenge there, how we approach each day. So in striving to live as the Lord wanted Paul to, and he wants us to, he comes to the text and says, so in that apprehension, in that trying to, to move towards maturity, he says, forget those things which are behind I reach forth to the things that are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, generally in Scripture, there are very few incidences, if you can find really any, where we're told to forget things. Uh, I did find two where it says, the Lord enables us to forget. But I don't think there are many, if any, instances where the Lord says, forget 
we are told in most places to remember. So, when we come to a place where it says forget, we need to take notice of what we are to forget. And Paul here is alluding to what should be left behind in the context of the race of a Christian life. He describes it as a, as a race. There are things to be forgotten in a natural race. If you line up to run a marathon, you're not going to have much on you, are you? You're not worried about all the stuff that you've got at home or whatever. You're just concentrating on that race. So at the end of 2023, in the age in which we've been brought and called to the kingdom, what should we be leaving behind? Well, firstly, Paul is writing about his salvation. And uh, he's telling us to forget anything concerning his salvation that detracts from Christ. When people are running this marathon, they often wear a a t-shirt or a vest that uh, emblazons their sponsor and their supporter. And, And that's a sort of phraseology that Paul is using there. In the Christian life, in the Christian race, we should only display things that that exalt Christ. And anything else, forget it, leave it behind. You're running a race. You haven't got the capacity to carry a load of baggage. Just show that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this had been important to Paul. He says earlier in the chapter, in verse 4, he said, if anyone has confidence in the flesh, it's me. If any man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I even more. He said, I'm a Jew. I'm a Hebrew. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I know who I am. I've got a great pedigree. And he says there's zeal. Well, I persecuted the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I'm blameless. But all those things that were gained to me, I count for loss. And in one sense, our heading can be a bit vague. Say, forget all those things that detract from the glory of Christ. We need to drill down to specifics. What is Paul saying? He's saying, forget your family. Not forget your family in the sense of a relationship, but forget your family when it comes to the gospel. They can play no part in that sense. This was very important and still is to many people of Israel. They want to know their family. They want to know their tribe. They want to know their history. And for us, it may not be so grand. It may not be quite so important. But what Paul is saying here is when it comes to the gospel... When it comes to your salvation, as far as your family is concerned, forget it. You're not saved because you're brought into a Christian family. There are some who think they are Christians because, well, their parents were and they're brought up in a well-to-do family. Paul says, forget that. I had to. You must forget it also, he says. You know, in the Christian race, we have a new nature. We have a new father. We're sons and daughters of the living God. And it's from our heavenly father that we draw strength. Our salvation comes from him and him alone. Whether we're brought into a family that blaspheme the things of God or whether we're brought into a Christian family, we all need to come the same way through the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anything else that you you consider contribute to your salvation, he says, forget it. If being a good person is something you think is good enough, forget it. There are none good, no, none righteous at all. It doesn't matter what you consider, if it's not of God, 
then leave it behind. Then he also says, forget the world. Uh, and the world is greatly underestimated in the sense of being an enemy of the Christian. Uh, and you say, well, I can't erase it from my mind. Well, of course you can't. We're, we're told to live here. What he means is we've got to uh, make sure that we leave behind anything of the world that detracts us from this Christian race. You know, our old nature loves the world. And Satan knows that. And the world is, is partially, some of it is sinful, and it is like sin, it gets in everywhere. We, we see its philosophy, we see its media, we see how things change in the media from being mildly supportive of Christian things to being actually anti-Christian things. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful how the world gets into the church. I'm not suggesting here particularly, I'm talking of the church worldwide. You only have to go onto uh, the internet and begin to search out uh, some of the particularly larger churches in, in countries, not only here but abroad, uh, and you'll see not only has the world entered into those churches, but the evil one has entered in by the things that they are speaking. There are uh, people who stand in very large churches who actually, when you analyse them, do not believe the basic tenets of Scripture. And Paul is saying, now you, you need to forget all of that. And John gives us a, a simple definition of what that is. John says in 1 John 2, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and this is where he tells us what the world consists of, the lust of the flesh... And that doesn't just mean immorality, it means of all the lusting after things and materialistic items. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The world can be summed up in those three things. And Paul is saying to us here, these are things to forget. These are things to leave behind in the race. John finishes that bit off and he says, for the world passes away. All those things that seem so grand and fantastic to our old nature. He says, no, that's, 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 that will pass away. And the lust. But he that does the will of the Lord abides forever. And Paul picks up one or two things here that, that are part of that to particularly forget. And he mentions fame because he was famous. He was famous for, for things in the world that they thought was acceptable. He was famed for his zeal. But you see, neither his fame or his attempt at keeping the law availed anything. And a lot of people today are famous, aren't they? they? want to be famous. Some people are famous just for being famous. Uh, that's a bit odd, but that seems to be the case. And sadly, you see, young people today are brought up in that culture. That uh, the people who are famous are put on a pedestal and their, their morals are usually very poor. Uh, you do not find many Christians there. In fact, there have been some Christians who are, or some people who have claimed to be Christian who have become famous and then they've thrown it all over, proving that they were never Christians in the first place. Fame did not do them any good. And Paul is saying here, this was no good for me at all. And then he talks about wealth. Paul has counted wealth in many ways when he came to comparing all that the world, he says, I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Now that's, a, that's a hard one whether we could come there. Paul had said he'd, he'd lost everything. 
I wonder if we came to that situation, and there are many in the world today who are being persecuted. They've lost everything. Many in uh, Vietnam and countries there have been thrown out of their villages. In Nigeria, there are so many people that are being killed. If those number of people had been killed in plane crashes, it would be all over the news. But because it's a, they're just Christians and it happens all the time, villages are wiped out, uh, and these people lose everything. And Paul is saying, I lost everything. How could, could we say with Paul that if we lost everything, we count that loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ? Theologically, if we lose everything, we still have all things in Jesus Christ. But that's a hard thing to take, isn't it? But then we take comfort from the fact that we have grace for the day. If we come to that situation, then we would receive grace for that day. And so, wealth, Paul says, no, forget that. It's, uh, if we have wealth, well, then may we use it to the glory of God. But it's not something that we hold dear to. Paul had authority, went with his little fame, I suppose. But he says we have to resist those things. You know, when you come to the obituary column in the newspapers, people often ask, don't they, how much did they leave? What were they worth? The answer is they left it all. Can't take it with you, can you? They left it all. Counts for nothing. We're to use our God-given resources well, but wealth has no part in our faith as such. We sung, when you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy, your reward in heaven, nor your home on high. We're to leave the wealth of the world, even whilst we live. And then, of course, there's sin. We say we've got to leave sin behind. Well... In in, uh, Hebrews, the writer says, lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. He's not saying forget sin. How can we forget sin? It's all around us. What he's saying is, when your sin has been brought to the, the foot of the cross, when you've asked the Lord to forgive you, and you've known that forgiveness, then forget it, because God has. Why should we remember what he has forgotten? We are told to mortify these things, that is to to kill them off. The battle will never end until we get to glory. But there are many believers who, who have sin as a barrier to their lives when that sin has already been forgiven. And we do have to be very careful there. You say, I wish I could leave sin behind. Well, maybe you still need that forgiveness. And the wonderful thing is this morning we come to one who loves to forgive. Uh, And uh, it's something that God forgets. It says in the psalmist, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, there are some things that God can't do. And God can't remember sin that has been forgiven. Because he says he won't. It will be remembered no more. So if the Lord forgets it, we should forget it. It's one of those things to put on the list. Forgiven sin should be forgotten. And there are hindrances. Not sins as such, but uh, again, the writer to the Hebrews calls them weights. Things that slow us down, that are a bit dubious. They're not sins as such. 
And they may be a problem to one Christian and not a problem to another. But they're to be left behind. Old quarrels should be left behind. I read an account of two sisters that had for decades uh, had an argument and hadn't spoken for 20 years. They lived in the same house. They were Christians. And what an awful witness that was. Thankfully, they were reconciled eventually. The point is, it hindered their lives. It should have been something dealt with and forgotten. And it is difficult. If you have an argument with someone, it's a job to forget that. But the scripture says, no, forget it. You've sorted it out. Move on. And what about our failures? We all have failures at points in our lives. I wonder how many of say, well, I can't really serve the Lord as, you know, I, I did such and such and, and, and I didn't do that very well or I let the Lord down. You may have even asked the Lord to forgive you, but you can't kind of shake it off. You can't get up again on your feet. Well, the scripture says we should not. We should get up. The scripture, again, it's the writer to Hebrews, says about strengthening uh, the feeble knees and, uh, and, and the hands that hang down. There's only one person who doesn't fail, and that's Jesus Christ. It says in scripture, in the Old Testament there particularly, says, he faileth not. But you will fail and I will fail. And we come to the Lord say, Lord, I've failed. I'm sorry. And we get up again. We're forgiven if we come in that right spirit. So there's a number of things. Leave them behind. Leave them in 2023. Just move on a little bit. Two things that the Lord particularly helps us to forget. And that is some of the difficulties we go through for his sake. Now, this may not affect us all the same way. Those in Nigeria, those in Vietnam, those in China, they're going through huge difficulties. And, and, and they need help in those situations. Life is hard sometimes. And sometimes we find things didn't work out as we'd hoped. Things didn't work out as we'd prayed even. Things and people that are precious to us might have been removed. But slowly we come out of that situation and the Lord enables us over time to forget that toil. And we have numerous examples in, uh, in, in history, but I'll give you one from, from scripture, for example. Joseph, what persecution he went through from his family, from those in authority. He ended up in prison, didn't he? All sorts of things happened to Joseph. And when you get to chapter 41, verse 51, he says, God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. The Lord enabled him to forget the trouble he'd been through, although it had been so intense and so long. We have evidence of it not only in his own words, but at that time he had a son, and he called his son Manasseh. And Manasseh means causing forgetfulness. So it had a real impact in his life. I'm going to call my son forgetfulness. Because the Lord has helped me to forget all them troubles that I've been through. And the Lord does help us to get through our troubles. And if you're in a trouble this morning, know this. The Lord will, at some point, enable you to ease off from that toil and trouble. If the, if the Lord could help Joseph forget his toil uh, and help him to leave that behind, I'm sure he can help us too. For Joseph said in the end, didn't he? God meant it for good. God meant it for good. And sometimes those things we go through, God meant them for good. For all things work together for good to them that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. 
And the second thing the Lord will help us to forget is that when we get to glory, we shall forget the former things. That's, that's something to really go kind of get into our minds, isn't it? Some people get stressed about how things that have impacted them here will impact them when they get to glory. Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not come to mind. They will not be remembered nor come to mind, but be ye, ye shall be glad and rejoice forever in that that which I create and the voice of weeping shall no more be in the land. That's a wonderful thing. The former things will not come to mind. What does that mean? Well, I suggest this at the least. When we get to heaven, it will be difficult to rejoice when those we know and love are not there and when we know where they are and the judgment that stands. The former things that would detract us from our enjoyment of the Lord will not come to mind. And that may impact us now. It should motivate us to pray and to plead with the Lord to save sinners. But there is comfort there for the Lord's people. These things will not come to mind. So there's a little bit this morning. Things to forget. And uh, an encouragement there. The Lord will help us to forget what we need to forget. But a little bit of application then. First of all, there are things to be remembered. I've got to get a bit of balance into the sermon, haven't I, somewhere. You know, what does the Lord say? He says, remember all the way the Lord's led you. Forget not his benefits. Forget not the Lord thy God. So there's lots of things to remember. So don't concentrate too much on just forgetting things. You know, Israel, um, they had to remember all the things the Lord had done for them. And we need to do that. We need to take our eye off our past sin and, and just as it were, look to the cross, look to the place where it was dealt with, and then see the cross is empty. You know, one hymn says, bring its scenes before me. You know, that's something we need to gaze at so regularly. Israel were to remember days of chastisement. We need to remember days when the Lord corrects us. They were to remember God's provision. They were to remember the manna. They were to remember the very bread of heaven. And why did they have to remember those things? Deuteronomy 8 says that they might walk humbly and show by how they walk that they were the Lord's. And that's why there are things to forget and things to remember, that we might walk humbly in this world and that others might see that we belong to the Lord. Second little bit of application, we should meditate on these things, shouldn't we? Take them back in our hearts and minds and think, what should I leave behind? Look at what holds you back in the Christian race and just leave it. We'd look rather silly, wouldn't we, queuing up for the marathon with our wellies on, you know, with a few lead weights in our pocket. Uh, and you say, well, look, can I do it? Is it lawful? Yes, you can do that. You can run in wellies if you want to, but you just be an idiot. And uh, I've heard people say that, you know, when idiots get saved, they're just saved idiots. But, you know, you've got to realise that we have to jettison those things. They are weights. They may not all be sins, but we have to consider those. The, the author says, run the race set before you. Look it unto Jesus. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners. And then finally this morning, if there are any here or even any online that know not the Lord, you too live in this age. It's an age of grace until the coming of the Lord. 
but you're not prepared for the coming of the Lord. You still remember your sin because it's unforgiven. And that's how we need to come to the Lord. The Lord never refuses a true repenting sinner. The Lord remembered sin on the cross. He felt its weight. He took the very wrath of his father because of that sin. He took that sin, he remembered it, he dealt with it in order that we might forget it. And he too forgets forgiven sin. So may these things encourage us a little as we leave this year and then tonight we'll look not at things just being forgotten but things that we press towards in, uh, in the coming year. So may the Lord help us with those things.